Welcome to Canine Nation. It's Sunday, June 16th, 2019. This is episode 141. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. This is Eric Brad. When we brought home our first Belgian Shepherd almost 30 years ago, we were warned that they were a nervous breed, that they could be fearful and unpredictable around strangers or in strange situations. The breeder of our first Belgian was very kind and gave us some helpful hints on how to socialize our young dog to get them acclimated to all of the different sights, sounds, and experiences that would come into their life. Back then, it was pretty basic. Get them out and about, let them meet people, let them meet other dogs, and they would find their way. As the years have passed and we've learned more about behavior and learning in dogs, socialization with our new dogs has become more and more important to us, and we've taken more care in how we introduce our new dogs to a variety of new things and new experiences. What we've learned is that socialization is really about teaching our new dog how to cope. New and unexpected things are always going to happen, so it's important to teach our dogs that we are there to help them and to help them learn the difference between something that's really scary and something that's just new and different. As the years have passed, Our Belgian Shepherds have become more confident, more outgoing, and better able to cope with a variety of situations. Showing our new dogs all the great things in our world is one of the most important things we can do to help them be successful. Socialization isn't just about teaching a dog to tolerate whatever the world sends their way. If done right, It can give a dog an outlook on the world that makes them eager to engage and confident in anything they do. This is my essay, Socializing for Success, Raising a Happy and Confident Dog. My wife and I happen to fall in love with an amazing breed of dog that falls outside of the mainstream. The Belgian Shepherd is a herding and guarding breed developed in Europe to move flocks of sheep out to pastures and then spend the day guarding that flock from predators. In the United States, the different varieties of the Belgian Shepherd are considered three different breeds, the Belgian Sheepdog, the Belgian Taverne, and the Belgian Malinois. Belgians were bred to run the perimeter of the pasture all day, to make intelligent choices and to protect their flock while ignoring unimportant distractions. They are an interesting breed, They closely resemble wolves and frequently are used in movies and television as a stand-in for wolves. These dogs are an interesting combination of beauty and brains, creativity and discrimination, intelligence and imagination. They have a reputation for what many in the dog world call skittishness, a peculiar quality of being standoffish and wary around strangers and strange situations. That wariness can quickly turn into fear or aggressive behavior if it is not addressed early and carefully in the dog's upbringing. How did the Belgian Shepherd come by this reputation? Well, it's a nature versus nurture question for sure. 
How much of any dog's personality is permanently embedded in its genetics, and how much of it remains open to shaping through experience and training? They say that we shouldn't judge a book by its cover, and I think it's also wise not to judge a dog solely by its breed. It may surprise you to learn that the effects of experience and training have a much greater impact on animals than once thought. A 1991 study of racing horses, cited by Dr. Carmen Battaglia in his article "Developing High Achievers," showed that only 35% of the variation in performance in racing horses could be attributed to genetics alone. That means that at least 65% of performance was influenced by environment, training, and the animal's experience. One important element of a dog's development is socialization. The process of exposing the dog to a myriad of things in their environment, so they become accustomed to the variety of sights, sounds, scents, and experiences in their world. In light of the scientific data, this process may be much more important than we previously thought in creating happy, confident dogs that adapt and function well in our human society. With our own dogs, we go to great lengths to provide socialization opportunities, particularly when they are young. Our involvement in the sport of dog agility has offered us great opportunities to take our dogs to new places and show them new things. We carefully introduce our young dogs to new people in low-stress, gentle interactions that are full of food rewards from both ourselves and the new people that they meet. If our dogs look uncomfortable or want to move away from something, we let them. It's important for them to feel that they have some control in these situations, that they can leave if they want to. This gives our dogs lots of positive experiences, and they come to understand that strangers often mean good things for them. Our dogs almost always look forward to newcomers. We use a similar process when introducing our dogs to other dogs. While most dogs do learn a number of canine social skills early in their life with their litter mates, most pups are removed from their litters between eight and sixteen weeks of age. There is still a lot to learn about social interactions, like greeting, soliciting play, and managing interactions with dogs of all ages. Early on, we are careful to work with dogs we know to make the learning and management easier. We avoid dog parks where we cannot manage these early interactions safely. In the same way we introduce our dogs to humans, we gradually bring them into more and more unmanaged, unstructured situations with other dogs, as their experience and skills allow them to cope appropriately and remain happy and calm. But it isn't just about people and other animals. We want to make our dogs flexible and able to cope confidently in a variety of situations. What if dinner was at 10 p.m. instead of the usual 6 p.m.? What if dinner was outside or in the back of a truck? Could they cope with the sounds of traffic nearby if we had to walk along a busy street? What if we should run into a horse and rider while out walking one day? All of these situations have to be considered and trained. How do you teach a dog to be comfortable in a world full of sights, sounds, and experiences? A little bit at a time. And you use the world to your advantage. Instead of throwing our dogs out there and hoping they will figure it out, we use every new experience or situation as a training opportunity. 
we are always prepared to make it a positive experience. We use a combination of mark and reward training and the principles of classical conditioning to teach our dogs how to cope in various situations. In the case of new people, we use classical conditioning. Our dog gets a lot of experience with new people greeting and feeding them. There's nothing to be afraid of. People give you lots of treats, and we're careful not to let our dogs get overwhelmed. We take a similar approach when introducing other dogs. We are careful to introduce our dogs first to non-aggressive, very social dogs who enjoy play. We want their early experience of other dogs to be open, accepting, and full of fun. Classical conditioning is simply the association that our dogs make between people, things, or situations, and whether those things are good or bad for them. It's not a decision that we can make for our dogs, but we can strongly influence their opinions by setting them up for good things to happen. Why leave it up to chance when a little thought and planning can give a dog a head start on making the positive associations that will help them later in life? In those situations where we want our dogs to respond in a specific way, like sitting to greet a new person, we can use mark and reward training to reward them when they behave correctly. Brief cooperation with us is rewarded by a treat and a nice greeting from the new person. It's the same with other dogs. Sometimes we need to call them out of play to take a break. Once they come to us and give us a bit of attention, we reward them and release them back into play. We try to carry treats or a toy with us whenever we are out working with our dogs. Any new and potentially frightening situation can be rewarded and turned into a positive learning experience. It's important to always be prepared. But the key is to keep the stress levels and emotional levels low enough for the dog to still focus on us. If my dog gets overwhelmed, it's difficult to get through to them even with treats, toys, or praise. It's important to be able to recognize the signs of stress in my dogs. Each dog is different, but they do share many common stress responses. The tucked tail, furtive glances, and stiffened body posture are recognizable to most dog owners. But there are also less well-known responses like panting, a lowered head, or a tight mouth with the lips drawn forward. Once these warning signs begin to show themselves, it's important to move my dog away from the thing that they are worried about. I always make sure to have an escape plan to relieve the pressure for my dog. In spite of being considered a skittish breed, our Belgians can be pretty gregarious. There are Belgians who seem to be everyone's favorite cuddly social dog. And even the shy and cautious Belgians have their charms and warm up pretty quickly to newcomers. Regardless of where we travel with our three Belgians or what our schedule is, our dogs are comfortable in cars, hotels, parks, or crates. They have been fed at all hours of the day and night, and they never stress about feeding times. The time we spend socializing our dogs and acclimating them to a great variety of things positively has paid off for us in so many ways. I think that the process even taught them to look forward to new situations, to seeing and doing new things. It's not hard to see what the world can mean to our dogs. It's good to know that we have some ability to influence how they see the world, as something to be feared or, as our dogs do, 
something that they look forward to engaging with. The extra time and thought we put into socializing our dogs, making their experiences of people, places, and things positive and pleasant, has paid big dividends. Our dogs are much easier to manage than the ones we raised before we understood the importance of socialization. Carrying treats and thinking about managing situations isn't really all that much work. Thanks to modern training techniques like desensitization and counterconditioning, we've been able to help our dogs be comfortable with even things like vacuum cleaners or construction noises. And mark and reward training has also given us tools to teach our dogs useful responses to stressful situations. Yes, socialization means the world to our dogs. Literally. And it's well worth the effort. If you enjoy these podcasts, why not drop by our website at caninenation.ca and you'll find dozens more to listen to. While you're at it, perhaps click on the donate button and offer us a dollar or five or whatever you'd like to give to help support the podcast and help us keep the lights on. Or you can support the podcast by spreading the word on social media or leaving us a review on iTunes. I'd love to hear feedback from you about the podcast. If you have any comments, stories, or questions, you can email me at talk2 at caninenation.ca. That's talk and the number two at caninenation.ca. I look forward to your comments. Canine Nation is also on Facebook. You can find our Canine Nation page where we post information about the latest articles, podcasts, and news about Canine Nation events. We also have a discussion group, the Canine Nation Forum. It's a place to discuss the podcast, the Canine Nation essays, life with dogs, and training our dogs, or just to share some information we found around the Internet. Thank you for listening. I'd appreciate it if you'd share this with the dog people in your life. I guess that's all for now. Until next time, have fun with your dogs.